Advent is the season of the church year where we prepare our hearts. Uh, Not only do we prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus at Christmas, but we prepare our hearts for the coming kingdom of our God, the eternal life that he's prepared for us. In this Advent season, we are going to look at the book of Isaiah and the prophecies that God has given to you and to me about the coming kingdom uh, of our God, the kingdom that has been established through the birth of our Savior Jesus. As we look at this coming kingdom, may God fill you with all hope, joy, and peace this Advent season. Well, today we are one week from Christmas Eve. Week from today, we will meet here at 5 p.m. and we will sing Christmas songs. We'll hear the familiar Christmas story. We'll we'll close the service by candlelight singing Silent Night. There'll be Christmas cookies. There'll be Christmas bags to give out to kids. It's going to be a Christmas celebration and it's going to be amazing. What's your favorite part of Christmas? For me, the answer to that question has has changed over the years, actually. Uh, Obviously, when I was a kid, it was the presents. Uh, And then as I got older, it was just being with family and all the different celebrations from this family to that family to this family, and, and there's Christmas music playing, there's the Christmas lights. And then I went off to college and it was the nostalgia of coming back home. Today, it's kind of changed for me a little bit. What, what I look forward to most about Christmas is everything kind of shuts down. Everything just takes a break. For one day in all of the whole year, there seems to just be peace. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that evil doesn't exist on Christmas Day, but the news doesn't report it as much. Uh, It seems, at least it seems, that even evil takes a break on Christmas. It's just a peaceful, relaxing, worried, free day. Unfortunately, the next day it starts all back up, doesn't it? And so where do you turn when your hearts are fearful? Where do you turn when the worries and anxieties creep in? Maybe a better question, and and the one that we're going to answer today is, what does God do? What does God offer for the fearful hearts? What does God offer for those who are filled with worry and anxiety of the things that are going on? So we're going to talk about today as we look at Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah 7, before we jump in, let me give you some background. Isaiah chapter 7, here's what's going on in the the world at the time. Uh, Assyria is a country way up north, and between Assyria is the nation of Israel, the kingdom of Israel. South of the kingdom of Israel is the kingdom of Judah. Uh, At one point, Israel and Judah were all one. After King Solomon, King David's son, they split, and so you had the kingdom of Judah in the south with Jerusalem, the kingdom of Israel up north, and up north above Israel was Assyria. Assyria was threatening to come down and take over Israel, and so what did Israel do is they turned around and asked the kingdom of Judah to ally with them. Be our allies against Assyria. King Ahaz of of Jerusalem said, no thanks, not going to do it. And so what did Israel do? They tried to force them And they came down and waged war against the kingdom of Judah. Judah won, but they 
took quite a hit. And so as they're sitting there, licking their wounds, trying to get back up, all of a sudden news comes that the kingdom of Israel has partnered and allied with the kingdom of Aram. And what are they going to do? They're going to come down, take over Jerusalem, put their own puppet king on the throne so that this puppet king would ally himself with them against Assyria. And we're told in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 2, that when the people heard that Israel and Aram have partnered together, their hearts were shaken with fear, like trees shaking in the forest from the wind. They're terrified because they barely survived against Israel's attack. Now they have an ally to come down. This isn't going to end well. And so what does God do? He sends Isaiah to Ahaz, King Ahaz of Jerusalem, and he says, I don't want you to worry about these two kingdoms. They're smoldering stumps before your God. How does Ahaz respond? He doesn't. He doesn't say anything. And so God sends Isaiah again, and that's where we pick up. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10 and 11. Here's what we're told. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. Stop right there. What does the Lord want? He's, he's offering Ahaz a sign. I want you to know that everything's going to be okay. I want you to know that me, your God, is with you. I want you to know that I have supernatural powers to protect you from these two nations. Ask me for a sign, whether in the highest heights or in the deepest of depths. Ask it, and I will prove to you that my word is trustworthy. Do you see how much grace God is offering Ahaz right now? Maybe to fully realize it, we have to realize who Ahaz is. Ahaz might be the most wicked king that Jerusalem ever saw. Ahaz uh, was a king who worshipped many idols, many false gods, and he filled God's temple with his idols. Uh, Ahaz did not want to subject himself to the Lord, but instead thought it was better to subject himself to Assyria. And so while Israel's trying to get them to ally with him, Ahaz says, nope, I'm going to pay Assyria to protect me. What money did he use? The money from the temple treasury that was supposed to be used to pay the priests so that the priests didn't have to work and that they could minister to the people. Ahaz said, I'm going to take all that and give it to Assyria. And then when people pushed back against King Ahaz, King Ahaz said, that's it. Nobody's going to worship the Lord. And he closed the temple doors so that people couldn't worship God. And maybe the most grievous of them all, he offered his son as a sacrifice to the god Molech. He tied him up and sacrificed him while he was alive to the god. This is Ahaz. And God comes to him with this sign. He says, ask me for anything. I want to give you a sign to prove that I'm going to protect you. I want to give you a sign that proves that I'm trustworthy. It's to this guy that God is coming down and saying, ask me for anything. Because what does God want? He wants us to know 
the assurance of his promises. Your first point today. The Lord offers his powerful promises to those who are fearful, to those with worried hearts, to those filled with anxiety. God offers his powerful promises. And he gives us signs of those powerful promises. Isn't this what he's done for you and me? He's given us signs of his powerful promises. Where? Baptism. At the baptismal font, as the water washes over our head, what does Scripture say, say, what does Scripture say happens? It says that God brings us into his family, into his eternal family. It says that as the waters of baptism, baptism wash over our heads, that we clothe ourselves with Christ's holiness. God brings us in and clothes us with Jesus. It says in baptism, we have a pledge of a clear conscience before God because in baptism, it connects us to Jesus. God says, you want a powerful sign of my powerful promises? Look here. Then, he gives us the Lord's Supper. Take and eat. This is my body. Take and drink. This is my blood. This is a powerful sign of what? The assurance of eternal life that is yours through Jesus. God says, you want a powerful sign? Here's my word, proclaimed. Watch as it changes people's lives. Watch as the promises take root and change people from who they used to be to who they are now, from living on their own and their ungodly lives to living godly lives in this present age. Watch as those promises change people. Look, I've given you these signs, the powerful promises that God has for you and me. And the powerful promises that we are His. The powerful promises that we're part of His eternal family. God wants you to know, no matter what you're going through, that you are safe and secure in Him. Because His promises are that powerful. This is what God wants King Ahaz to know. I'm, God says, I'm going to protect the Davidic line, David's family line, because it's from David's family line that the Messiah is going to come. He says, look, I'm trying to give you a sign. What do you want? Here's how King Ahaz responded. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Seems pretty pious, right? Seems like a good answer. Except when the Lord tells you, ask me for a sign, ask the Lord for a sign. <laughs> uh, Ahaz wasn't being pious. He wasn't trying to be a righteous person. He's saying, God, I don't want the sign. And I know your word well enough to know I shouldn't put the Lord to the test. That's what you tell me. And I don't want the sign. Don't want it. Don't care. Your, po your powerful promise isn't going to help me right now. What did Ahaz want? A plan. He wanted a strategy. What did he want? He wanted to figure out how to ward off the Assyrians, how to uh, keep Israel and Aram from coming and taking them over. That's what he needed. He didn't need some promise. He needed action. He needed a, a strategy. He needed a plan. And it seemed uh, way better to subject himself to Assyria than to subject himself to the Lord. And so I don't need your promise, God. What I need is a plan. Can we blame him? 
Can we blame Ahaz for rejecting the promise, not wanting the promise? I think we can blame Ahaz for a lot of things. I think we can blame him for closing the temple. I think we can blame him for taking the treasury money that the priests were to have so that they didn't have to work, so that they could minister to the people and giving it away. I think we can blame him for sacrificing his own son. But I don't think we can blame him for not wanting the promise. Why? Because as I look at my own life, and as my heart gets filled with fear, worry, and anxiety, my first thought isn't, you know what I need? I need to run to God's promises. No, in, in fact, it's just the opposite. Too often I find myself doing what Ahaz is doing. Running from God's promises to my own plan, my own strategy, to asking friends and co-workers, what do you think I should do in this situation? How, how can I move forward? I run to all kinds of earthly solutions, but the promises of God I leave behind. What about you? When you're fearful, when you're worried, when you're anxious, is your first thought, you know what I need? I need the Lord's Supper. That's what I need. Is your first thought, you know what I need? I need to sit down and meditate what God promised to me at my baptism. You know what I need? I need to sit down and, and meditate and ponder the promises, the powerful promises that my God has made to me even in this time. Is that your first reaction? I don't think we can blame Ahaz here because too often this is how we respond as well. Too often we think, I don't need that. I need this, a plan, a strategy, something to help me right here, right now. I need to take action. And do you know what happens the more we stiff-arm God's promises? the more isolated we feel, the more anxious we feel, the more worried we feel, the more that fear grips our hearts. Why? Because deep down, we may convince ourselves that we have control. We may convince ourselves that this plan is going to take care of our problems, and it might, but deep down we know just how little control we have. And it's terrifying. And so the more we stiff-arm God and turn from his promises, the more we're alone as a mere mortal. This is Ahaz. He doesn't want God's promise. He wants his own thing. Now, if you're God, how would you respond? Fine. Have it your way. Fine, Ahaz. You don't want to sign? Go do your own thing don't care, I'm going to turn my back on you. That's how I'd respond if I was God. How did God respond? Let's look. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Your second point today, the Lord promises Emmanuel. He offers the promise of Emmanuel. The Lord says, fine, you don't want to ask for a sign? 
I'm going to give you the sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. You want to have proof that I have supernatural powers, God says. You want to know that I can keep my promises. Here's one for you. Check out this sign, Ahaz. A virgin's going to conceive and give birth to a son. And if you're sitting there thinking today, this is crazy. This is wild. This is impossible. You're right. It is crazy. It is insane. It is wild. It, this is not possible, humanly speaking. And that's God's point. God says, you want a sign. I will show you that I have supernatural powers that can keep promises even when it doesn't seem like promises can be kept. Here it is. I'm going to make a, a woman who is a virgin conceive. And 700 years later, that's exactly what happened. The Virgin Mary conceived and gave birth to a son. And as crazy as that is, it's not the craziest part of that entire sentence. What is? They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the craziest part of the whole thing. The child born from the Virgin Mary that was conceived, God himself. The Lord, the creator of the universe, the maker of Mary, became Mary's son. The Lord, who said, let there be light, created light, stepped into human history and took on human flesh, stepped into the womb of a woman, born true man and true God, Jesus, into the world. Why? To be with us, yes. To offer wise teachings, sure, yes. But he came to take care of the root of all of our fear, of all of our worry, of all of our anxiety, and that's death. The letter to the Hebrews says that Jesus came to free those who have been held in captive to the fear of death. And as you think about the worries and anxieties that we have, as you think about the fears that, that take over our heart, it's all about the harm to us or our loved ones. It all can get back to, are my loved ones safe and secure? And deep down, what do we know? Maybe right now, but not really. Because at some point, death is going to happen. And that's why God came to be with us. God came to be with us to end the separation from God. God came to be with us to end the separation that happens from body and soul. God came to be with us to conquer sin, to conquer the grave, so that you and I can be with God forever. God took on human flesh so that you and I, who have our home here, can one day make our home with God forever, where, where, sight, where faith becomes sight. Jesus came to forgive us for all the times that we have run from God's word. He came so that you and I, though we die, will live. Emmanuel, God with us. 
God says, you want to know the power of my promise. You want to know how powerful I am. Emmanuel, God with you. The virgin conceives and gives birth to a son. You want to know you're going to be okay. God with us. As you, fit, as you get news from the doctor, and it's bad news, the Lord is with us. And he will be with us through it all. As you lose your job or you get laid off and you don't know what the future holds, you do know who's going with you. Emmanuel, God with us. As you consider what, the country might, ha- what might happen in our country in the next year, the division, the hatred, the, the discord, what do we know? The Lord is with us. No matter what you face, the Lord is with us. Even when we're on our deathbed, what do we know? The Lord is with us. King David in Psalm 23, he said, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. No one else can go through death with you except Emmanuel. The Lord is with you. It's because the Lord is always with us that we can have peace right now. Because what do we know? That no matter what happens in this life, we are with God now, we will be with God forever. Because Emmanuel came to conquer the grave. Emmanuel came to pay for our sin, and that's what he did at the cross. It's because of him that the powerful promises of God bring us peace. Because no matter what happens from today until we enter glory, we know the Lord is with us through, us all, through it all. We know that no matter what happens here, the end is with the Lord forever, where faith becomes sight, and we will make our home with God forever. Amen. So what do we do? What does this call us to do? Let's be people who are eager to hear the promises of our God. Let's be people who are eager to hear the promises of God. As fear and worry and anxiety fills up in our hearts, ponder the promises of our God. Ponder your baptism, where God promises you you've been brought into His family and what that means for eternal life. Ponder how the promise that God makes to you in His Word is that He's redeemed you. He loved you enough to give up His one and only Son. He's going to be with you through this. Ponder what it means. The promise that God says, you are mine and nothing can pluck you out of my hands. Ponder what it means for you when the Lord says, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood for the forgiveness of your sins and the assurance of eternal life. We have eternal life to look forward to because of Emmanuel. Let's ponder it. Let's meditate on it. Let's be people eager to hear the promises of God because it's through those promises that God offers you and me peace. And we know he can, promise, we know he can deliver because he delivered Emmanuel, God with us. This is what we pray when we pray, Thy kingdom come. Come, Lord Jesus. God, Emmanuel, be with us now so we can be with you forever. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you that on that first Christmas you sent Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, into this world. He came for one purpose, and that was to save us from our sins, to save us from death, and give us the hope of eternal life. 
It's because of him that we have peace today no matter what we're going through. Uh, We thank you that you fulfilled that great promise. Uh, It's because you sent Jesus that we know all your other promises are true uh, and we can trust them. We thank you that you promise that we are yours and that's true through Jesus. We thank you that uh, you are with us no matter what we're going through, that you can bring healing, that you can uh, take care of all of our needs and you will take care of them all. Most importantly, uh, we thank you that if you can take on human flesh, Jesus can take on human flesh and come into this world. He can raise the dead as well. And that's what he did and that's what he will do for us. We thank you that we have the hope of eternal life and that no matter what we're going through, we have that powerful promise that you are with us. We look forward to that day when our faith becomes sight as we get to see you, to live with you, to be in your presence physically forever. And it's all because of Jesus, Emmanuel. We ask you to be with us this Christmas. Let us appreciate this gift. Let us treasure this gift. Let us run to your word to be filled with peace, hope, and joy once again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior, Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.